Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment, like no other, it's gonna be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep, Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and the Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you. Marinero, the sick podcast. And a couple of days after the NHL draft, we have a chance to recap it with one of the best in the biz. He is from The Athletic, Scott Wheeler. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you, Tony? Extremely well. Uh, talk to me about all the all the work that you put into the draft. Corey Pronman as well, your your colleague mm-hmm. at the Athletic. I know you did a lot of things together as a team. How much work went into it for you guys? It's a lot. Uh, this year in particular, it felt like a lot just because I, I'm normally on the road and the, the season kind of flies by. I'm normally in rinks a lot. Uh, this year, there was none of that. I went to Edmonton for the World Juniors. That was part of my prep. Uh, but other than Edmonton for the World Juniors, I did not get on the road a single time during this draft season. So that part of it was a lot different. Uh, a lot more time spent on the phone, a lot more time spent just sitting at my desk, watching tape, reviewing these kids, taking notes that way, which can wear you out in its own way. Yeah. Uh, travel certainly comes with with that as well in its own way. But it was a grind. It was a grind to get to a point where you felt comfortable with the draft. Obviously, the OHL never got up and running, which was another sort of ripple in the process. I, I didn't get to see a lot of those kids. The first round picks out of the OHL, all those kids found places to play. They went over to Switzerland, to Slovakia, to Slovenia. They played professionally in Europe, that kind of a thing. So there was a certain level of OHL talent that we got to see, but the kids that were drafted in rounds three, four, five, six, seven that were out of the OHL, I haven't seen play since they were 16 years old. So that part of it, both for me, for Corey, for NHL scouts that had to do their jobs this year, that part of it certainly made it a lot harder. But by and large, I would say almost every single program got up and running and played a relatively normal season outside of the OHL, right? I mean, Finland, yeah. Russia, and the United States, it was as if it was, the, the virus didn't even exist there in, in many ways in terms of those leagues pulling off a, a normal season. Sweden, their junior league shut down about midway through the year, so theirs was a little bit shorter. And then obviously the OHL, QMJHL, and WHL played varying degrees of shorter schedules. So it was it was weird. 
but we, we got U18s in, we spent a lot of time watching tape, and I think everybody got to a place where they felt pretty comfortable with where they were at on the draft, even if it wasn't perfect. So I can understand that you're still working today after all the prep that went into it, and of course you worked on Friday and on Saturday, the draft, so today guys like me and everyone wants to have you on so you can recap the draft, but I hope tomorrow you'll have one of these, and here we go, I'll take a sip for you. Mm, hits the spot every time. Cherry River, hard seltzer, only 90 calories, Scott. Natural flavors, no preservatives. Now available in Quebec grocery stores and at the beer store as well. I know you'll love this one. All right, okay. So um, I know you as well as everyone else that does this job take a lot of pride in their picks and especially in their first round mock draft. So your first round mock, how many players did you have going in the first round that went in the first round? I would have to go back and look at it. Uh, my guess would be somewhere in the 20s. There were a few kids that lingered a little bit longer than I thought they would. Atu Ratu went uh, waited until the 50s to go to the New York Islanders. And I still thought that even after him having a bit of a rough year, he'd be a kid that would sort of linger and, and stay in that kind of a range. Uh, I believe I had Sasha Pastajov as kind of a late first round guy, and he lingered all the way until the third round. So there were a handful of players that that were in my mock that weren't picked in the first round, but it, that's pretty standard. It's normally about anywhere from sort of 22, 23 to 25, 26 of the guys that I expect to go there do. And then there's always a, a half a dozen that, that slip up and have, or sort of rise up, if you will, and then half a dozen that slip. He's Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. I'm Tony Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast, and the show is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash sickpod and use code sickpod for a free pillow with your purchase, Essentia, beyond organic sleep. Scott Wheeler, three days later, the Montreal Canadiens drafting Logan Mayu. This story has not gone to sleep. Everyone's talking about it. Still a huge controversy and a huge talking point, especially here in Montreal and uh, within the fan base of the Montreal Canadiens. Did you expect Logan Mayu to be drafted? Yes, I expected him, despite everything that we knew, I expected him to get drafted. It felt like a long shot that he was going to slip through 224 picks. I did not expect him to get drafted in the first round. And I felt that he shouldn't be drafted, but I did expect going into it that someone would use a pick on him. Yeah. Not that it makes a difference, but did you hear of teams that were going to draft him in round number two? No. Wow. What do you make of the Montreal Canadiens making him their first round pick? It was really disappointing to me. I think with everything that's gone on with the way that things have played out with the Blackhawks' um, sort of handling of, of accusations against Bradley Aldrich, with everything we know about the way that the NHL has typically mis mishandled pretty sensitive issues in the past, it's another stain on the league. I, I think that it's... <sighs> It's one thing to say that a kid deserves a second chance, et cetera, et cetera. But second chances are earned. We know from reporting that is out there, including the reporting that's been done at The Athletic by my colleague Katie Strang, that, that a lot of his words have not yet been put into action. The victim felt, for one, that he was not remorseful in his apology to her and not sincere in his apology to her. 
Police described him as vindictive in Sweden when they arrested him and when they charged him and believed that he was not remorseful at the time. His agent has been sending out text messages and emails to reporters in the industry believing that his client is a victim of cancel culture, which suggests that his agent, is his, his headspace is not in the right place in terms of rehabilitating this kid and making sure that he's learned from this moving forward. I think a lot of people are making excuses for him. I think he was rewarded by being selected when you should not be rewarding that kind of behavior. I think it sends a terrible message to women in the sport. So I, I just didn't like it. Uh, he, this kid, if he wanted a career in hockey, nobody's saying that this kid should never play hockey or never earn a living ever again. But it takes time and it takes action, not words. And it takes proving yourself. And there are so many kids that didn't get drafted in the first round who have not done what he did that it makes it very, very difficult for me to wrap my head around uh, making that selection. And there are just so many kids who are deserving and have worked for that opportunity and haven't done what he did. So uh, I just, I, I quite frankly, really didn't like it. I, I think it's a, a little bit of a stain on the league. I'll start off by saying that I agree with everything you said. All right. Um, I don't want to be accused of being a hypocrite because I'm not. Um, I have interviewed, you know, Adonis Stevenson before as a former professional boxer who uh, in his youth uh, was a pimp, uh, but later on in life rehabilitated himself and, and actually made good and became, um, you know, a, a good person. Um, so I believe in second chances. I, I do want to say that. Um, I also recognize that, you know, some sports fans uh, may say it publicly, may not, but some of them deep down inside cheer for athletes who have done wrong in life. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Austin Matthews made a mistake. Patrick Kane made a mistake. Floyd Mayweather made a couple. Ray Lewis made a huge one. Uh, Kobe Bryant made a mistake. Some are crimes, some aren't. Um, so I don't want to be a hypocrite in that respect, but I think the best way to sum this whole thing up was we believe in second chance, or at least I believe in a second chance. This was not a second chance. He was rewarded with his first chance, right? Because he said, don't draft me. Um, I, I haven't earned it. I haven't earned the privilege. I haven't earned the honor. I made a mistake. I was immature. Let me rehabilitate myself over the next year. Let me prove myself. And then, you know, um, at that point, hopefully in a year from now, I can make an organization proud. Um, the Canadians rewarded him right away. And that's yeah. where I think that they dropped the ball. They just should have respected his wishes, whether they were sincere wishes or not, or whether he was just put out the statement three days before the draft for PR reasons or for whatever reason he put it out there. They just should have stayed away. I agree wholeheartedly. And even, even this sort of idea that it's a mistake, certainly it qualifies as a mistake, but it's also a series of choices, right? It's, we, we, I think we throw the term mistake around and it starts to sort of built in into that kind of language, the almost excuses for, for someone. Um, but it's, he, he made a choice and not just one choice, but a series of choices over the course of how all of this played out. And you're right. I, I think it, this wasn't a second chance. This wasn't even someone giving him the second chance. This was someone giving him the chance that he was going to get had he not done that at all, right? So it, it was still rewarding him in a way for who he is as a hockey player more than what he did as a human being.
It's a sick podcast. I'm Tony Marinero, and you can go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code 615 for 15% off on all of their items. Maybe you're a fan of Owen Power and uh, who now became a Buffalo Sabre, and you can pick up some Buffalo Sabres attire or, you know, whoever your favorite team is, you can go out and get their uh, attire as well. With Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, we're talking about what was of the 2021 NHL Amateur Draft. You spoke about culture before, and I'm going to tell you something, and I know a lot of people are going to hate hearing this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, And by the way, this does not make it right. I'm trying to tackle a big problem here. This um, situation of a hockey player or an athlete um, involved in an intimate moment taking pictures or video of a sex act and putting it out there on Snapchat for the team to see or throwing it out on Snapchat for a friend or two for them to see. I've heard of this a lot over the past couple of years. And clearly hockey players do it to impress teammates. And and look, even, even non-athletes do it to kind of like impress their friends. But this 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 is prevalent in sports among athletes. There needs to be some serious, serious education on this. So seeing as, you know, I'm, I'm podcasting out of Montreal, um, can you tell me something about all their other picks? What can you tell me? Um, how, how well did they do? I actually thought they did really well. I wrote, uh, I, I sort of ranked their date, the day twos of all 32 teams uh, in, in my piece at The Athletic, uh, and I had them fourth. So I, I think they had a really, really strong day two. I liked a lot of the kids that they selected. I think there are players top to bottom from sort of rounds two through six, seven that that I really liked. I mean, uh, Kidney and, and Kapanen, who were the first two of those picks, yeah. are very sort of slick playmaking types love to have the puck on their stick can make things happen inside the offensive zone. Um, so that part of it, I, I think that's the kind of route that most teams should take in that range. I think you're better off going after those types and hoping that one of them works out and becomes a top nine productive player for you. than you are sort of targeting the depth players that a lot of teams fall into the trap of doing. Uh, so, so I really liked those two picks and then you go down the board. I mean, William Trudeau, Dmitry Kostenko, even Josh Roy, Josh Roy's a kid who I really like and had him in my second round. So for them to really? get him in the fifth round, uh, I was quite fond of. So there was, there was four or five picks in there that I really liked after the, the Logan one, obviously. All right. Okay. Um, Kapanen and with Scott Wheeler of the athletic, we're talking about uh, Montreal Canadiens draft picks. The fact that, what was it at the world championships that he had gone head first, uh, was it in the early teens? He had gone head first into the boards, uh, was out for yeah. about a week or so. And not like other players haven't been injured that are in the draft, but uh, obviously they didn't think that was any reason for concern. No, and he actually came back and played in, in U18s. It was a very scary moment. It, it One of those things that took my breath away. I was just watching it on tape play out in Texas, watching it on, on video through Hockey TV, the streaming service that, that they used for the U18s. And it, it, it sort of stunned me a little bit and, and brought me back. So um, for him to, to sort of get up out of that and then – sort of return later in the tournament was was a really good sign. And he obviously didn't really have the opportunity to showcase himself at U18s, even the game that I believe he only played four of their six or seven games. Uh, but even the games that he did play, he wasn't particularly impressive. But preceding that in junior, he 
he actually had a Oliver had a really really good year for his age group in junior in Finland. So credit to him. All right, let's let's take a look at the other teams. Is it as simple as the Buffalo Sabers got the best player in the draft? The Sabers won the draft. No, I would never say it's that simple. I think the draft is all relative. When I evaluate the draft, I try to evaluate it from how well did you did with the picks that you have. So I, I think if we just sort of look at total value tapped into into the draft, then maybe the teams that drafted one, two, three, four, five end up one, two, three, four, five, because those are the players that are most likely to be successful NHLers. But if a team has 10 picks or 11 picks, of course, they're going to do well. So it, it's a complicated balancing act in terms of evaluating it and being honest about where I think teams landed on the sort of hierarchy, if you will. And it's not a perfect science. These still these kids still have a lot of runway and a lot can happen to change their trajectories. Um, but I think the Sabres actually drafted quite well even after um, selecting Owen Power. So I thought they did good on day two. Uh, even Isaac Rosen, who they drafted with their second first round pick, I, I really like as a prospect. He was probably taken a little bit too high for me. Uh, I believe they took him 14th overall, and he was kind of in the 20s on my board. Uh, but Rosen's a really slick player, and then they took a number of other players like him uh, sort of in, in on day two. They took a kid by the name of Alexander Kisikov, who's a really slick, goal-scoring, high-skill type. They took another kid by the name of Vilyami Mariawa, who's a really slick player, but more of a playmaking type and a pass first kind of a guy. So they injected some, some talent into that group. And I think that was necessary. Their pool previously in Buffalo, despite the fact that they're in a constant rebuild is actually pretty ugly. And they, they have two, they had two legitimate goalie prospects uh, and a couple of good D prospects, a couple of good forward prospects, that kind of a thing. But it, it was missing that sort of high-end skill. So I, I liked what they did in this draft, which was to dr intentionally draft players who could inject a little bit more talent, maybe at the expense of going after those sort of six foot three, six foot four power forward types. He's Scott from The Athletic, and this is a real uh, uh, drafting uh, educational course here that I'm getting. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh a shout out to Excellent Photo, centrally located close to downtown shopping and university ships to all of Canada professional staff at the store and online to help you choose the gear you really need. Excellentphoto.ca. Speaking of photos, this is me listening to Scott Wheeler run down all these players and he knows them off the top of his head. It's pretty amazing. Um, I often tend to pay attention to the Tampa Bay Lightning because I take a look at the Lightning who have won two Stanley Cups in a row. And I take a look at the players they drafted. And yes, it doesn't take the best scout in the world to draft Stamkos at one or Hedman at two. I get that. But they have drafted Vasilevsky. Uh, they have drafted Braden Point. They have drafted Kucherov. They have drafted Palat. They drafted Kalorn. Um, and there's others. Uh, the list goes on and on. And so I think Al Murray does an unbelievable job there with his team. I would agree. Is that a team that you pay attention to because, it, you know, there's a track record there that they do extremely well at drafting? Absolutely. And, and there are a few of those teams. I think Vegas, despite the fact that they've traded away so many of their kids, have actually yeah. drafted extremely well in terms okay. of the picks that were taken. So I would add Vegas to that group. I think Carolina is one of the smartest drafting teams in the NHL these days. I think the Philadelphia Flyers do a really good job. So there are a few groups around the league that I think really get it. 
and that typically grab my attention and then typically take players that I really, really like when it, when the time comes. So Tampa's one of those teams and Dylan Duke, another kid, they, again, this year, they didn't have a first round pick. And again, this year, they drafted a couple of kids in those later rounds that I just really, really liked. And Dylan Duke was one of my favorite picks of day two. And that's because I think he's going to go to the university of Michigan. I think he's going to fit into that stack team really well. I think he's going to become a very good college level goal scorer by the time he's a junior or senior. And then when he graduates as a junior or senior and turns pro, I expect he's going to be the kind of player who's had enough of a track record that he earns an entry-level contract. And just getting that kind of a player, even if he becomes a really good AHL goal scorer for you, that there's tremendous value there. So I think Dylan Duke is in particular was sort of my favorite of those Tampa picks, but they're definitely one of those teams that you have to pay attention to. And they just, they've got it figured out. They, they've really got it sort of dialed in in terms of what matters, the way the game is trending, the way the, the game is trending in terms of the kinds of players that are increasingly successful. And I mean, you listed off all those people and didn't even list off Anthony Sorelli or Yanni Gord, right? Like Correct. It's, you just keep going down that list. Um, it, it's, it's impressive what they've done. Hold on. Uh, wasn't Gord undrafted? Yes, but acquired and yeah. Signed, yes. et cetera. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, and another guy that was undrafted was Tyler Johnson, right? So uh, <laughs> they're amazing. I got to tell you, sophistication is also amazing. Event rentals. Uh, if they were in Tampa, they would have put together and helped the Tampa Bay Lightning with their celebrations. But live music, DJs, sound systems, tents, chairs, tables, decor, lighting, photo booth, TV screens, the same kind of celebrations they had in Tampa, with the exception of the, the jet skis. And you could call them at 514 570 5770. You didn't bring up this team, but I also always pay attention to Steve Eiserman, formerly with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and now, of course, with the Detroit Red Wings. I find that Eiserman is willing to take risks and, and actually pick players before uh, most of the hockey world um, sees them. Uh, Jarmo Kekalainen, I think, is like that with Columbus as well. He's willing to Definitely. go off the board a little bit. Uh, did they go off the board in this draft, either of them? Uh, I wouldn't say they did, honestly. I, I was a little surprised that with the very first pick that the Red Wings had, that they drafted Simon Edvinson. I, I think that team really needs an injection of talent up front. Dylan Larkin's a good player. Philip Zadina's a good player. Vrana, who they got back from An for Anthony Mantha, is a good player. But those aren't going to be the transformative sort of drive the bush types uh, for a Stanley Cup contending team. They just won't be. And as good as Lucas Raymond is, who they took in the first round last year, and I think Lucas has a chance to be kind of yep. a, a slightly worse version of kind of a Mitch Marner, maybe more of a, like a Clayton Keller type. He's going to be a very good, slick sort of creator. Um, but that's still not the kind of guy who you need. So I, I think they could have gone after another one of those kinds of players in this year's draft. I do wonder, though, whether the Red Wings realize that next year is also going to be a rough year for them. And maybe they can get that guy in, in a Shane Wright, for example, if, if they're lucky enough to win the lottery. So I, I don't know. Simon Edmondson's a very good player. So I wouldn't say that that pick uh, at sixth overall by the Red Wings was quote unquote off the board per se. Uh, yeah. But I don't think either of those teams really were spicy, if you will, with their selections. Yeah. And they absolutely have been with Moritz Sider, with Igor Chinnikov in Columbus Correct. over the last couple of years. So uh, I, I liked what they did. And then certainly those three picks that the Blue Jackets had. I think teams get in the habit of being cute with the second or third of those selections. Yeah. They think we've got three, let's use one on a guy that, that maybe isn't supposed to, 
to be there just because we like him. And I didn't think Columbus did that at all with their three picks. I mean, (sighs) Kent Johnson is going to be a star, I think, like a true impact. He's the kind of guy that I think the Red Wings should have taken. They took him fifth, so they took him a, a pick early, obviously. So the Red Wings never got a chance, even if he was their guy. And then I think Cole Sillinger, who they took with their second pick, has a chance to be a really, really impact kind of top six forward. So they need they needed that badly, especially yeah. after sort of trading Pierre-Luc Dubois. And we don't know what's going to happen with Patrick Laine and Columbus. So Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger are going to have to be a big part of their future. And then they're going to have to hope that once they're no longer RFAs, that they can finally start to keep some guys as UFAs. It's a sick podcast with Tony Marinero. That's me. He's Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. And you can listen to us via the iHeartRadio app or watch us or follow us on other social media platforms. Two or three quick questions I want to get to. I'll try and make them speed questions if you can give me an answer quickly. Spicy. Ottawa was spicy. Were they not this uh, past weekend? Ottawa was very spicy. Um, I, I I think there's some smarter, like we're the smartest guys in the room that happened with, with that Tyler Boucher pick. Um, Tyler Boucher is a very, very good prospect, but he had two serious knee injuries this year. He also got an illness, which we, we don't know what the illness was, but he got sick this year. He only played about a dozen games. And he's going to be, if he makes it, it's going to be as a complimentary piece. He's a very physical player who does have skill. He's absolutely talented, but he's not going to be a 60, 70 point guy. And I don't think you can be drafting as good as he could become as a 40, 50 point guy. I don't think those are the kinds of players you should be drafting 10th overall. So that's a pick that I think could burn them. I know I said I wanted to move on from Logan Mayu, but I just, there's just, I keep thinking about so many things here. Um, if he wasn't going to ask that uh, to not be drafted, where was he going? To, and, and let's just say he would have, this scandal wouldn't have happened. Where would he, where would he have been on your list? He was fifth before I found out the news. He was 58th. On my list. I did not watch a single one of his games after that. It was an immediate sort of removal from my list. I don't think this kid should be drafted. But before that, before I knew of what had taken place, he was 58th on my list. He was 58th on your list. I think Bob McKenzie said he was, he had him ranked 35th. We have different numbers um, because the only thing that keeps, that I keep thinking about is they knew obviously that this was going to create a huge storm, huge controversy, a huge scandal. Um, and the only thing I keep thinking is that for them to draft him at 31, they must think he's a top 10 or a top 12 max top 15 talent. Because if they would have had him ranked the 28th or 29th, do they take him at 31? They'd move on to the next guy. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. He was probably very, very high on their board. And I wow. do know other teams that felt on talent. He was a first-round pick. But uh, I, I don't even see that, if I'm being honest. I, like he, he, He's a good hockey player, but um, I, I don't think he was a, a lock to be a first-round pick or necessarily even a deserving first-round pick before all of this happened. Scott Wheeler, what a fantastic, informative chat this was. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. I hope you enjoyed talking to me as well. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. All right, thank you. He's Scott Wheeler of The Athletic, and now let's see if I can make you some money. Money, 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 money
It's time for Sick Picks. Brought to you by my bookie. All right, bring in my buddy Cash, uh, whose handle is at Run My Bets. Make me some cash. Uh, guys, I have a pick, MLB pick for you guys. We won our pick last show, guys. Dodgers minus a run. First five innings, it cashed. They lost outright, but we had the first five innings. That's what matters. My pick today, guys, it's Cubs, Reds. I'm going with the Reds, guys. Plus 115. You're going to get those odds on my bookie. Plus money underdog. Two units, nothing too heavy. Put uh, put a decent-sized bet. Uh, the Cubs are just trending in a direction I'm not really into, guys. They're going to be a seller at the trade deadline. Uh, this Cubs team had a massive loss streak. I'm not a fan of these guys right now. My money's not going to be on the Cubs. I'm going to be fading these guys the next few weeks. Grab the Reds. The Reds are rolling a little bit right now. Wade Miley's a really solid pitcher. Get me to the window, guys. Let's go 2 row for MLB season. Let's get this money. Make me some cash, man. Money. Thanks, guys. All right. There you have it. There you have it. He's run my bets, and hopefully he's going to make you some cash. I'm Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast. Until we do it again next time, some Cherry River for you. Salute. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep, Cherry River Hard Seltzer, only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocery and The Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you.